This is I Choose Life News and Views, sponsored by Indiana Right to Life and Right to Life of Northeast Indiana, committed to defending innocent human life for all people of all ages. Your hosts are Kathy Humbarger, Abigail Lorenzen, and Scott Kump. Welcome to I Choose Life News and Views. I'm Kathy Humbarger. I'm Abigail Lorenzen. And I'm Scott Kump. I Choose Life News and Views is produced by Bot Radio Network in Fort Wayne in cooperation with Indiana Right to Life as well as Right to Life of Northeast Indiana. It's my privilege to welcome to the program our U.S. Senator Todd Young. Thank you so much for including us in your visit to Northeast Indiana, Senator. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Kathy. Well, I think the last time we saw each other, we were in Seymour, Indiana, and you visited the fire station there that had installed a safe haven baby box. And as I recall, they had already had a baby saved in that particular location when we visited. Just weeks prior, I think. Right. And I was there with Monica Kelsey, and it was really a positive time. Oftentimes, we it seems that we I have to work in such dark areas, but what better to celebrate than a baby whose mother was in desperate circumstances and chose life for her baby at the very last minute? What was your takeaway after your visit? I had several thoughts. One is that that safe box had become a source of pride, not just for those who installed it or or for those who are part of the movement, but really for the local community. Right. So um, it just goes to show you, you need to meet people where they are. Sometimes that means physically and geographically. Other times that means philosophically when it comes to uh, being pro-life. And in this case, gosh, who wouldn't agree that if uh, a parent is unprepared to take care of a child or uh, might otherwise have an abortion, but for an opportunity to put that baby in a safe spot so that uh, that baby might have a forever home. Who would disagree with the notion that uh, there ought to be a a repository for that? Right. Well, absolutely. And not only in this particular situation, but every time there's a baby that's relinquished by their mother using this program, the baby is in the receptacle for just Seconds. So I I learned a lot about the technology Mm -hmm. that had been a concern of mine, candidly, uh, going into there. How long does a baby have to sit around and and can it breathe? breathe? And Uh, all those mm -hmm. uh, concerns were put to rest. I mean, this is fantastic technology whereupon an alarm is struck and that alarm is checked regularly and immediately someone goes to take care of that baby. And no questions asked of of the mother as well. Exactly. No judgment. And that is a huge piece of this. There have been safe haven laws on the books for a number of years, but the mother was required to relinquish the baby face to face. And that was just over the top for a lot of mothers. So I don't know if you know this, Senator, but since the safe haven baby boxes have been installed in Indiana, since the first one was installed, there have been no babies found abandoned dead. That is amazing. And we always always heard stories prior to this, you know, maybe once a year, maybe mm. a couple times of babies being found. I, I know there was one in a park in Indianapolis that was left in a snowbank. We've heard about babies being left in the bushes by the fire station door because the mother, for whatever reason, couldn't look in the face of a first responder and hand over her baby. So what a remarkable legacy. Uh, Absolutely. And and it it just demonstrates with a little bit of creative thinking and a lot of initiative, 
you know, the, an individual person can make a difference. Right. We can find new creative ways to advance the, the life movement. Right. Well, uh, let's turn a corner yeah, here. Sure. I always enjoy talking about the Safe Haven Baby Boxes and Monica Kelsey and what she's doing. But I just want to thank you for your support for our newest Supreme Court Justice, Amy Barrett. Tell us what that was like to lead the confirmation process. It was a very hostile situation that couldn't have been overly pleasant for you. This appointment is so critical at this time. Tell us your thoughts about that. Well, there's been a long history really going back to Robert Bork, of course, Mm -hmm. of of confrontational Supreme Court conflicts. And Gorsuch wasn't all that bad. Kavanaugh was horrible. And as as far as the confirmation, in terms of the confirmation Mm -hmm. process, I'm glad you clarified. (laughs) There are terrific justices. We knew we had to lay the groundwork for Mm -hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. And that really, frankly, started uh, when she was making the rounds with our office to meet uh, senators and earn their trust as she sought a uh, seat on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Mm -hmm. You have to hand it to Amy and to the White House. Uh, They really prepared Amy very well Mm -hmm. for that hearing. She was just remarkable in front of the Judiciary Committee. It was quite evident that uh, she knew a lot more about the law. It was a lot smarter than any of the senators who were uh, tendering questions towards her. But uh, I think as much as anything else, it was many of the, the questions that came back to legal precedents that, that Amy indicated, look, I just can't answer that, but I can tell you uh, that I'm going to ground my decisions in the Constitution, in our fundamental laws, and I'm not here to legislate. And if that had been done in 1973, and for example, the Roe decision, uh, we'd probably have a different outcome. We'd be in because a, a different place, yes. Even many pro-abortion advocates will indicate that the 1973 decision was weakly argued. Absolutely. This is not the first time a nominee has answered in that fashion. So it's not like she was intentionally dodging the issues, but others before her have answered in the same way. That's right. Yeah. Sotomayor and Kagan, uh, they all took the same approach, you know, adding their personal imprint to it. But I am just uh, incredibly proud. This may be the most consequential thing that I'm part of during Mm. my entire time in the United States Senate. And if that's the case, I'm just fine with that. (laughs) Flipping the the control of the U.S. Supreme Court, which referees our most fundamental life-changing decisions, including decisions with respect to uh, protecting our unborn children. Absolutely. And we thank you for that support and standing strong in that situation. But that's not the first time, Senator, that you've stood strong for life. We could talk about any of the initiatives that you've supported, but I just want to run through a list quickly. You co-sponsored the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act and the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. You supported the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services regulations that prevents Title X family planning funds from being used in a location where abortion activities are performed. You supported legislation that prohibits taxpayer dollars from funding abortions. You oppose federal funding for research that uses the body parts of aborted babies. The list goes on, Senator. But additional gains look very uncertain in the cloudy future because the balance of power in the Senate could shift. Help us understand what is at stake in the January runoff in Georgia, especially for unborn boys and girls. The control of the United States Supreme Court is actually at stake, believe it or not. I still have a concern 
that the far left of the party, which is far left of America, has, has captured a certain portion of the political class in Washington. They are advocating for a packed Supreme Court of the United States. So we have two seats in Georgia, which will determine the composition of the United States Senate. Those two Republican senators uh, share the belief that 50 other Republicans do, which is that the current number of justices on the Supreme Court is the number we should stick with. I believe the same thing Ruth Bader Ginsburg believed, which is nine justices is a good number. Right. In fact, I've signed on to legislation uh, that would create an amendment to that effect to our mm-hmm. Constitution. We don't want these two senators to potentially pack the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, working with uh, the president of the United States to do that through a simple majority that could occur to significantly increase taxes on Americans, to implement modern day socialism uh, in this country. I mean, this stuff could really happen. So there, there are certain political moments that you have to get right in a country. And that's what's at stake in Georgia. We defied all expectations on election night. And the American people did choose economic freedom. And they chose personal responsibility over defunding the police and mm-hmm. over some of these other things I talked these about. Radical ideas. But we still have two more races to go. Right. And, and so that's why, uh, as someone who's been leading this overall election effort for two years now, mm-hmm. my work is not done. We've won 50, defying all expectations that we'd only win 43 or 44, and uh, we must win 51 or 52. Otherwise, there will be unchecked control from the far left in Washington, D.C. Even though the numbers may come out 50-50, the tiebreaker will be radical abortion advocate Kamala Harris. That's right. Folks listening to this, please pray. Please pray fervently that that does not happen. I have not spent a lot of time investigating the candidates in Georgia, but what little I have learned is that there is a huge difference between the pro-life candidates uh, that are running on the Republican ticket and the pro-abortion candidates. Line couldn't be clear. It's not like somebody is trying to hide behind a, well, I'm, I wouldn't have an abortion, but I support the other person's right to choose. It's no, much no, more no. Clear these, than that. The, both of these Democratic candidates are really radical. On one hand, John Ossoff, who's a documentary filmmaker and grew up in very comfortable circumstances, that's fine. But uh, if you're going to make documentary films and your primary client is Al Jazeera, which has terrorist ties, that's a really bad fact. Right. And if you're profiting off of business ties to the Chinese Communist Party, an infanticide regime, that's a really bad right. fact. Right. Uh, if you're the Reverend Jeremiah Wright, the other candidate, and you say that you cannot at once serve in the military and also serve God, I think that that is a really bad fact. It, Georgians need to know this. The American people need to know this, that these are the sorts of people that are being put forward for national offices right now. And uh, if we defeat these two, Our work for this election cycle will be completed. We'll hold the line and uh, we can continue to advance pro-life policies or at least hold back those pro-abortion advocates uh, who intend to advance their agenda. And they will advocate for abortion up to and maybe even beyond birth at taxpayer expense. But you bring up a good point, Senator. The people in Georgia need to know. The people across the country need to know. But we don't have a very cooperative professional media who are telling both sides of the story. No, we don't. How do we get around that? 
conversations like this, I would assume? Yes, we, we have to speak truth to power. You just mentioned abortions uh, beyond birth. Sometimes we get to speak very candidly. Right. We used to call that murder. Absolutely. That's not really even an abortion. That's a, The baby is born. And so we cannot allow an issue of this consequential to be one in which we handle it too indirectly. The far left uh, is not. The radical elements, uh, which does not comprise so many um, Hoosiers uh, that might be self-identify as Democrats, I right. have to say. I have a lot of friends. They've been proud Democrats for a long period of time, but there's some radical elements who have captured right. their party at the national level. Absolutely. It's time we call them out very directly because they won't hesitate to call out those of us who who uh, advance a pro-life position. Absolutely. And so I, I don't see any other way. That's why I think radio shows like this are very important because you can reach a broader audience than, than you might through other forums. Well, we could talk on for quite a while, Senator, but I know we have some pro-life folks waiting to meet with you after we conclude this interview. So I'd just like to end asking you how we ever recover. We've talked about issues that are divisive, uh, COVID pandemic, unrest in the cities, chaotic election. Where do we go from here? I think the best way to bring people together, based on my time in the Marine Corps, is to identify a shared mission and to rally as a group around accomplishing that mission. Protecting our children, all of our children, can be one of those missions. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. Some of our, our children are of modest means and having a difficult time being educated. We need to help them and their parents uh, make it through this pandemic. We need to make sure as this economy changes, that everyone feels like they can make, play a meaningful part right. in this growing economy. And we certainly don't ever want to put a mother or uh, a family unit in a position where they feel like they're so financially compromised or in such a desperate position where they ever feel like they they uh, would consider aborting a child. So I think one of the ways we can come together, uh, and it's broader than just the pro-life movement, sure. is to focus on that next generation, as we always have in mm -hmm. this country, and uh, ensure we, we pull out every stop at the governmental, not-for-profit, volunteer sectors, and at the individual level, and uh, figure out how we can be part of the solution of making tomorrow a little better than today. I think there has been no better time, at least in my lifetime, where people can step up and make a difference. And uh, whether it be in the public policy arena and elections, volunteering for candidates, contributing to campaigns, working at pregnancy resource centers, volunteering for right to life organizations, just Google to find places to plug in. So I would encourage you to do that. Senator Todd Young, thank you for being an unwavering voice for life and other Hoosier values as well in Washington. May the Lord continue to bless you with courage and perseverance as you represent us. Thank you so much for being with us. Kathy, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your service. And uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. God bless. This is Zach Rogers with Right to Life of Northeast Indiana. I'm here with I Choose Life News and Views, and I am joined by a very special guest today, former Congressman Marlon Stutzman. Marlon, thanks for joining me. Hey, Zach. Great to be with you, as always, and appreciate all the work you guys do, and uh, I wish you a Merry Christmas as well. Oh, thanks to you and, and your family. And just to be upfront, uh, Marlon was my boss, then my business partner, so I might be a little bit biased in this interview. 
Uh, however, I am going to do my absolute best to not show that too much. <laughs> well, Zach, I always enjoyed working with you and just excited about the future and what uh, you're doing now within the pro-life work. And of course, uh, you work with some great team members and uh, just happy to, to still be working together in some capacity and such an important cause. Absolutely. And you and Christy are absolute rock stars for the life movement and the life issue. So we've been looking forward to having you on and I am looking forward to having Christy on hopefully early next year. And we'll be able to talk about some of the life issues that she really pushed down in Indianapolis as a state representative. Absolutely. And you know, Christy and I, we were blessed to have two boys, uh, Peyton and Preston. And it's hard to believe that they're both now freshmen, one in college and one oh in high school. Oh my goodness. But this is such an important issue, not just for politics, but for life. It's not something that we should be pro-life in just the political world, but also in our everyday world and mm -hmm. how are we helping other people that need help in desperate times. We have to have an all out effort to continue to push the gift that God has given each of us. And that's the gift of life. Absolutely. And, and we do focus an awful lot on the atrocity that is abortion, but the life issue is so much bigger than that. And I think you're right on with saying it's not just that, it's all these other areas that we need to be showing God's love through. Mm -hmm. And you did that while in Congress. I mean, I think of like the Pain Capable Act, the Right to Try Act. Those are life issues that aren't talked about near enough. But I mean, you really did fight that fight for a long time. And at some point, we'll have to do a really in-depth interview of the story of why you became pro-life and your mom's story, because I think our listeners probably know about that background of yours, but it's one that is always good to remind people that it's an incredible story. Yes, I'm blessed to, you know, we're all blessed to take another breath every day. And as you mentioned, there's so much more to the life issues than just being in the, the pro-life movement, fighting to end abortion and to protect life. You know, I was just reading an article recently about the slave labor that is mm. going on in China. Yeah. And, you know, that is a life issue. We know all around the world that there are human beings that are being abused. They are, whether it's in uh, sex trafficking, human trafficking, slave labor, you know, just the poverty and the, the fact that Dictators around the world are abusing their own people to maintain power. That's a life issue. It's not necessarily the issue that we often talk about here, and which is, is such an important issue. The fact that millions and millions of babies are still being aborted in America mm -hmm. is unthinkable. In the wealthiest country in the world, we still are allowing, and with the country that has come up with a COVID vaccine mm -hmm. the fastest, we have the greatest technology, we have the greatest capability, and yet when you see that little baby on an ultrasound, the fact that our country says well, that's still not a life to be protected uh, at certain stages, that's still an atrocity. And so uh, we're just going to continue to fight on to end abortion because it is murder. It's taking the life of a baby child that's still in the womb. 
Yeah, exactly. And science is on our side. And as, as we progress through the technology side of things, I think you're, you're spot on with that, too. It's on our side. It's just a matter of time before we win that battle. Absolutely. I know, uh, like my son, Peyton, who's 19, he's been involved in life camps and has uh, organized groups to go pray outside of abortion clinics. Uh, of course, Christy and I have been involved in the legislative process and in March for Life and other events for the last 20 plus years. And you're right. I, I think that younger people who are growing up with technology in their hands are going to accept the fact that that's a human life. It's just obvious. Science is on our side. And, you know, so oftentimes, unfortunately, in politics, people get labeled, well, you're liberal or you're conservative or now you're I mean, now we have socialist and, you know, far right wing and all these mm -hmm. labels. The life issue should not be a political issue. Unfortunately, it is, because if you look at the Democrat Party's funding, most of their funding comes from Planned Parenthood. I mean, a large, they're one of the largest mm -hmm. contributors to the party. And so therefore, you have to say, well, it is a political issue. And, and I would argue that it, it is, but it's more than that. So, you know, when you find it in the political world, you have to realize, follow the money. Where's the money coming from that is continuing this huge divide amongst people in both parties, Republican and Democrat? But what I saw in Washington, D.C. in Congress is the fact that the Democrat Party had two, at the time that I was there, had two members of their party uh, in the House of Representatives, roughly 185 people. Only two were pro-life. And actually, one of them was just defeated in Illinois uh, uh -huh. this past election cycle. So now they're down to one that I know of, unless someone else is coming in that says that they're pro-life. But they, the, the Democrat Party has rooted out any pro-life candidates in their party, which is such a sad state of affairs, because both parties, Republican and Democrat, need to have members of both parties recognizing the fact that life is such an important issue and that it shouldn't be a, a partisan issue. It should be yeah. a bipartisan issue where we're working together to protect life at every stage. You're right. You know, as we look to 2021, do you have any thoughts, in particular the life issue, but what, what's life going to look like under a President Joe Biden, a Vice President Harris? What's that going to look like in general, but also with the life issue? Well, that's a good question, Zach. Unfortunately, you know, what I fear is that I have met Joe Biden, I've met Kamala Harris. They're very nice people, but Joe Biden is much more of a politician and is willing to kind of go whichever direction the wind is blowing. Well, that's not good in this particular instance when the left in this country, the Democrat Party, as I just explained, is taking most of their funding from mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood and politicians at that level. I don't know if Joe Biden is concerned about serving two terms necessarily. Is he going to be just a one-term president? We'll have to see how his health holds up. Mm -hmm. Of course, Kamala Harris is sitting in the wings, and we know she's one of the most liberal senators from the state of California that is in the U.S. Senate. So I think we know under her, if she were ever to be president, I would say, you know, watch out. Under Joe Biden, my concern is, is who's pulling the strings in the White House. Right. And I would anticipate that he will reverse as many of the Trump policies that were pro-life and reverse them all back to a Barack Obama era administration. And so 
it's not always necessarily who's the person out front, but it's the person behind them that are calling the shots. And I think that's what concerns me the most. And I think a lot of us, you know, it seems like with the President Trump, it was President Trump who was calling the shots. No question about that was there. That's why he took all the arrows right at him. And with the Joe Biden, we don't know exactly who necessarily is calling all the shots. And so he does, he's not going to take all the arrows. And right. also the media will be very friendly to him. And so I think it's just, again, the situation where the lines are drawn. We know what the sides are in today's fight. And while a lot of us just want peace, we just want calm, we want tranquility in this fight for life it's not going to be a peaceful change. The other side has put probably billions, well, we know it's a billion-dollar industry, but Planned Parenthood and their allies are not going to go sit on the sideline and say, you know what, you're right. We're going to change our mind today, and we are going to agree with you. It's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. If you see the education programs, the rhetoric that Planned Parenthood and the pro-abortion industry uses, uh, we know this is going to be a fight. And we, we as pro-lifers who don't like to go up and you know confront because we want to help, we want to bring peace. But in this case, it is a fight. Those fights are not fun. Uh, they're not pretty. But I think that's what we saw with President Trump, who is the most pro-life president we have ever had, yep. is now taking all of those arrows because of that. And yeah. so I, I think that's one of the big reasons why Donald Trump was so hated by the other side was because of his strong pro-life positions. And undoubtedly the most pro-life president and then vice president with our own Mike Pence. And how sad is it to then be replaced by Senator Harris, who's the most pro-abortion candidate, soon to be vice president ever? That's exactly right. You know, while Joe Biden is Catholic, mm -hmm. but doesn't necessarily govern according to the Catholic Church's own beliefs, um, and is called out for that from time to time by the Catholic Church, we now have Kamala Harris, who uh, professes to be a Christian in the Baptist Church. We know her record yep. is uh, far from that. And that's where I think we have to have the conversation or the confrontation and to push back. Now, we can do it with our mouths and with our feet and our actions to uh, continue to raise awareness and to educate. And we're on the winning side, like we yep. said earlier. We are on the winning side here. And so we should take heart and be confident and be bold. But I know what it's like. It, it's easy to get tired because uh, it just seems like the battle doesn't end. But just like Roe versus Wade back in 73, Christy and I were both born in the 70s after Roe versus Wade. And so, um, you know, we feel blessed to be alive today because at that time, uh, being born in the 70s, our government decided that it was no longer going to protect those lives that were in the womb. But that fight has been going on for years and years. Well, that was a turning point in our country when Roe versus Wade took place. So if we, we recognize that fact that that occurred, well, we can turn it around. We can change uh, but it was persistence, and it took a lot of time even yeah. for the pro-abortionists to get to Roe versus Wade. We have to be patient and faithful and continue to fight the fight until Roe versus Wade can be overturned, yeah. where we do protect life as a country. 
here in America. Yeah. Marlon, we appreciate all you've done for the life issue and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Zach. You've been listening to I Choose Life News and Views. If you have questions about this program or if you'd like to support the fight for life, please call 260-471-1849 or go to ichooselife.org because without the right to life, no other rights matter.